Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in the winter wonderland. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, what, what, what else do we say? Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Happy holidays. Festivus. Happy, Happy holidays. Festivus. Happy holidays. Okay, Happy I'm in a Sinatra kind of mood here. <laughs> we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to go back to the early 80s, uh, actually January of 1984, and Tim is going to regale us with the epic tale, the controversial epic tale from the Assistant Editor's Month of Snowblind. We found an Alpha Flight number six. So uh, before we do that, let's say hi to everybody. Hey, Tim. Hello. That's Tim. That's that's Tim right there. That's that's me. Hey, Kirk. Hi. Good morning. Raise your hand. Oh wait, mm-hmm. I can't see it. <laughs> we also got David Thompson. Okay, Governor. And John Hyatt. Ready to dash through the snow. Wait, is, hey. is, uh, is that the replacement for the cowbell? No, <laughs> could be <laughs> because you know what hey, we need. But I don't want to take Kirk's job. <laughs> what you don't know is that those are uh, underwear, and he just danced around in his office. Jeez! <laughs> oh, oh gosh, well, I want to claw my mind's eye. <laughs> why uh, Kirk is on a first name basis with us, but John and David have to have their last names. Yeah. I think they've been on long enough; they could just be David and John. Okay, okay, but see, I said my whole name. I, I only said one of your names. Tim Elliott. Oh. One of my best you? buds in the whole world, Tim I'm, Elliott. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, but I wasn't knows. paying attention. Okay, well, you know, I, again, if, if I faux pod poop. It's okay. Yeah. Well, from now on. You messed up the whole intro, we need to do it over again. I do that every time. Come on, From now on, everybody's on a first-name basis. Oh, gosh, you know, there's so much going on right now. And, um, again, it's been a tough year. For everybody, and we hope that we've you know been able to brighten it a little bit with the the shows that we've been coming out with. Uh, we are going to change things up just a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Uh, while we have been coming out with shows every week, I want you to know it's been a struggle. It's been difficult for us to all be able to number one coordinate and get together every week. Number two, be able to get ourselves up to date on whatever it is we're going to cover. So we're going to go ahead and change a little bit, and we're going to go to a two week format. And uh, hopefully with that, we'll be able to prepare better and provide a, a, a better show for you. Um, with that in mind, we didn't do that this week, so you know we're going to be as sloppy as ever. That's, that's <laughs> it's all possible for us to be, you know, where do you go up from perfection, right? I mean, yeah, true, true, come on. true. Oh, man. Well, it could be better. We could go back to our once every three months show oh, that we were doing. <laughs> you and I were doing it. Oh, man, it took was, these uh, three guys to come on board to get us on track. Yep. So. Yep. They kicked us in the butt, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah it was hey. kind of like the old, the uh, the swallow the fly, right, nursery rhyme. We came along, <laughs> John and I, and then we started falling off. Then Kirk came on, keep us going to keep you going. Mm-hmm. This is true. So if we, like, swallow Scott Gardner, do we die? <laughs> I'm not touching that. Well, he's like the godfather of the show. You want to swallow know. Scott Gardner, you can. No, 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 no. He, he, that just sounded so wrong. <laughs> well, I do kind of want to put a little... Uh, what? Uh, you know, throw some sympathy uh, Scott's way because he was 
know if you saw he posted. Yeah, I think he's been either furloughed or if he's been laid off from Disney. I don't know. Uh, they, but they he got his off, like they laid off like, uh, just a huge segment of the employee population yeah. because that's the only way they could financially do it right. Yeah. So I'm more likely they're going to hire him back on once things pick back up. Maybe after the the vaccines and everything get out. That's. And the yeah, world returns to whatever yeah. level of normalcy that it uh, yeah. does. But he, but he posted he got his his like his ten year recognition and kind of he packed up his stuff the same day. So yeah, that's that's that bites that yeah. bites. Because I mean, for well, let's say this for for Scott, it wasn't a job. I mean, that was his that was dream a job. It was a lifestyle. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just hey, this is something that provides money. To pay the bills. That was something he truly loved. So and that's, they that loved hurts. him there, too. I mean, they were always trying to plug him into different things because he's just so, number one, there for it, you know? Yeah. And too knowledgeable. I mean, you know, the guy is a fountain of knowledge. We've seen that uh, listening to the various shows that he's been on over the years. Uh, and, you know, if you guys didn't know, Scott Gardner is the guy that provided us the name Third Degree Burn. We sat there and tossed around a lot of different ideas. What, did, didn't weren't we thinking like the burnouts or? I don't. I don't think we we didn't get very far. Burn, I, I was burn toying, notice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting. I was toying with the idea, and Fanula said it was too. Um, it, it didn't make enough sense. I was thinking like torchbearers because of burn. She said, "Ah, oh, that's that's stretching it." And then you said Scott said third degree burn. I said, "Oh, that's it. That's perfect." Yeah, so. that was like it was like the B sharps for the Simpsons. You know, it had yeah. to be something that was memorable, <laughs> uh, funny but less funny each time you said it. And sure enough, there it was. Well, and I think it works because one, it's clever, and yeah, it, yes. we, when we go over these books, we're kind of giving the books the third degree. Yes, absolutely. So, and I've, now I've got Baby on board stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, I think I don't remember on. this part of the origin story is this a retcon john what are you eating i think it's what is he smoking there's why just no eating in this there's no eating in this podcast yeah rule number one uh yeah i don't remember this part i don't remember that scott gave the name that's really cool yeah well i don't know if he ever talked about it on the show but it was you know we were just kind of thrown away around night when we first got started and then Brian said, "Oh, Scott came up with that, and it just and just it's like you hear something like oh, that's perfect, you know." Yeah, you know? yeah it was, it was is, amazing how welcoming Scott and Chris were to bring us onto the network. They were thrilled, tickle pink, and of course, you know, we've done a number of shows with them over the years. Uh, not so much Chris Honeywell. I've done one well, show. Yeah, I need with Chris. I like to do some with Chris, but yeah. yeah, I've done two shows with Chris so far, and both have been really, really awesome. One was a Star Wars thing that I've worked on with Scott McGregor and. And then Chris Honeywell and I did a Storytellers, which, if you guys have not listened to it or read my story, Santa Doesn't Have Kung Fu Grip, um, you need to go out and listen to it or read it right now so you don't make this Christmas mistake uh, with your kids or anybody else. It's uh, it's yeah, an important it's, one. It's a really cute story. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, what's in the news? Um if you've been reading on John Byrne's website lately, uh, while he's uh, waiting to start posting uh, issue 17 of Elswin, which starts tomorrow, uh, he has been discussing in his, uh, what he calls, methadone uh, forum, uh, 
you know, certain steps that he's, certain uh, plot lines and things. And over the past couple months, people have brought up with him, you know, why doesn't he cover a little bit more of what his origin of Wolverine, um, you know, w- would have been? Why doesn't he cover that in also? And Byrne had kind of dismissed it at first, um, and also dismissed even 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 including Sabretooth in the storylines because, you know, Sabretooth uh, has been changed so much over the years, uh, and of course Wolverine's origin is now well documented uh, piece of crap out there. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's just my opinion. How do you really feel about it? Don't, don't the hold lead, back. Don't, Tell yeah, us what you really feel. Yeah, well, well so don't they actually... just keep adding to it to like amp him up or make him even more badass or cool or whatever they think it is? I mean, it just seems like, and I don't follow it closely, but it just seems like they keep changing it to tweak it and just to make it. You new, know, different, or whatever. It, it's it's been one of those things that you know a, a writer comes along and they will read, you know, the history of a character and they'll take one line out of something somewhere, and turn that into a whole everything you know is wrong storyline that changes everything there is about the character. Um, so you know, it's like I was sitting there looking at at Wolverine, and you know, looking at all the things they've done with him over the years. And the one thing I'm surprised it hasn't been done. At least I haven't read it anywhere is someone stating that Wolverine was a clone of the owl because oh they got God. that same hairstyle. And, of course, the owl has those three claws he has on that, that he uses. Obviously, they're not the claws like Wolverine does. But no one's ever touched on that particular thing and turned it into a story. And I'm just surprised that it hasn't because that just seems like a no-brainer as far as, you know, most comic book hack writers would be what, Wouldn't the owl be a clone of Wolverine because the owl is not as old as Wolverine? Right. Exactly. The timeline doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it could be, he could be Weapon 11. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just stop. Oh, I, know, I, but I, I like Wolverine's origin as it sits now. You know, I, I came up, you know, in my cutting my comic book reading teeth uh, around the time you know, uh, Marvel Comics uh, presents right had the uh, Weapon X storyline mm-hmm. and how Wolverine got his adamantium, and I like the idea that he always had this mutant power right that helped him regenerate, heal, whatever. Right. But it wasn't until he was, you know, a hundred years later when he was fused with the adamantium that he, you know, became who he is. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to redo that. Right. Right, and and you know the, I remember in the in the first X Men movie when they were doing their little study of Wolverine at first, and Jean Grey says, you know, it's like with, with his regenerative ability, it'd be impossible to tell how old he is, and I, I don't think they ever mentioned that in the comic books, at least not back in the day when I was reading them. Well, didn't they even before they did the uh, and the one you you referred to, David, as a Barry Windsor Smith story? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Didn't they hint that he fought with Cap in World War Two before that? Those stories, so they kind of hinted that already he was older than he than he appeared. Well, that, yeah, that was well, what Burn was. That's one thing that Burn was going to want to do uh, if he had stayed with X Men. That there would be a scene where Cap and Wolverine would be in the same place, and you know Wolverine wouldn't have his mask on, and Cap would say Corporal Logan, and you know that would be the the you know, probably you'd get a, a story afterwards as a flashback. Um, and there yeah. is there, and the thing is, I don't want to say a whole lot more because 
while I know where he's going to go with it, I'd rather the readers actually got to see it and then we can discuss it afterwards. Because, you know, the, the burn origin of Wolverine is so completely different from the Casada. And, you know, again, in my head, I already knew bits and pieces of the burn idea a long time ago. And so when this origin story that Casada put, you know, put out, came out, I was like, nah, I, I can't, no. And then the, the bone claws just completely, no. Yeah, but they'd already established the bone claws before that, hadn't they? When he got his adamantium stripped away from him. Yeah, and again, but uh, again, I hadn't read any of that. The bone claw thing is stupid. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, but but they kind of wrote themselves into a corner because, like, okay, we've stripped his adamantium away instead of instead of having him being helpless. And I haven't read that. Is that Fatal Attraction? I haven't read that in forever. Yeah. Uh, he, that, should, he shouldn't have been. Yeah, okay, I'll let you finish, and then I'll add well, on. Well, I agree. I, th- I don't think he should have had uh, bone claws, you know, but they had to give him something. So he could still be kind of a, 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 a character that wasn't actually sidelined. So I think if they wanted to do that story, have him sidelined for however long it takes until he can get his adamantium back. Maybe at one point he doesn't want his adamantium back, you know? Right. So. Well, and that's, and that's where I was going to say, based on the bits and pieces we had seen up until then, you know, uh, Logan seemed to constantly be involved in wars. You know, he enjoyed the fighting, the simplicity of it. And so he would not have been helpless, right? They could have just kitted him out, you know, with all kinds of guns and weapons that he was comfortable with and said, okay, right, you, you don't go on the dangerous stuff, but, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he wouldn't be helpless. No, he could have, I mean, Reed yeah. could have, somebody could have developed him some gauntlets, which, you know, at one point they thought his claws were part of his costume anyway. And he could have had some gauntlets that had those claws come out. They could still be adamantium. And he still has his fighting skill. I mean, he'd have to be careful about, you know, his bones wouldn't be uh, unbreakable. But he could, uh, you know, maybe he has some kind of a a suit he wears for a while. The way uh, uh, Ben Grimm would wear his thing costume whenever he reverted. They could have done some fun stuff instead of just saying, oh, no, he's got bone claws. They were there all the time. Yeah. And if you read the burn origin of it... um uh, of, of him, what you find out is kind of sick. I mean, really sick. And so, and I don't want to r- reveal any more because it's just it, it'll be too cool to to read it when it first comes out. Well, was he at one point supposed to be an actual mutated Wolverine? There was, was discussion that, of uh, that, but that. It, it never went anywhere. Um, that from from what I understand, I could be wrong, but what, what I understand is that there was a discussion of that, and someone just said no. No, <laughs> probably uh, someone in editorial. But um, yeah, there was. Should, should there we was bring up discussion. the the reason for why we're talking about this, which well, is that Chris Claremont is going to be writing a twenty-page new Wolverine story, and so of course, you know, Byrne comes out with, "Hey, you want to hear my Wolverine origin?" <laughs> I think there's a little bit of competition. I would, you know, I'm or, sure there is. Um, you know, feeling of, of being left out on Burnside. There was a, an article about, okay, there's a new Claremont book that came out. How big is that? The It's like an omnibus. Oh, well, the, it, no, there's a, the Claremont Celebration. It's yeah. a one-shot mm-hmm. um, book that celebrates uh, Claremont's work for Marvel. And in the description of this, someone wrote him as the greatest writer of all time. I bring that up because Byrne actually quoted that on his website. <laughs> you feel a little jaded? 
Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's going to roll your eyes, and I, I think that you know, of course, gets the ire up. It 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 feels like a shot, you know. Yeah. Well, let me ask the gang guest right now: Burn or Claremont? Who's a better writer? Yes. Cricket. <laughs> yeah, that, this is tough because for all writers, you know, like I have like a top ten list, and I would put Burn in there along with Claremont. You know, do. I think it depends on what book you're talking about. Guys, you know, guys, Claremont's talking, had stinkers. Uh, uh, let me put stinkers. it this way. I'm sorry to talk over you, but let me let me put it this way. Claremont is George Lucas. Byrne is James Cameron. When it, when it, when you look at it this way, both are writers. Both have their ways of doing things. Both are incredibly popular. You know, but in the end, you know, it's like, are you are you? There's going to be some people that will have a preference and say one's better than the other, but they're both great in their own right, and they both deserve all the accolades that they're getting. There can be only one. <laughs> Not in my Well, I, I, I think David's right. It depends on what you're reading, uh, because there, you know, we've read some burn stuff that I think is great, and we've read some burn stuff, babe, um, that's not very good. Babe. And, uh, <laughs> babe. Babe. <laughs> you know, and... It just depends. I mean, I, if I had to, have, if somebody held my feet to the fire, I think I would say Claremont's a better writer, just because I think he has done. Maybe Byrne has more kind of uh, high concept concepts for some of his writing, but well, sometimes he doesn't quite pull it off. I, I think what the the big difference is between the two, as far as writing goes, is that when Byrne writes a book, let's say like Fantastic Four or X Men, as he's doing them now. He writes the characters. He writes the stories in the style that, you know, is what it is. He adapts to that. When Claremont goes onto a book, whether it's X Men or whatever, he takes the characters and he says, "Which of my stories can I apply to them?" And he takes them in the direction he wants. I mean, this is X Men. It's a story about mutants. It's not stories about galactic wars. Oh wait. It's not stories about Dracula. Oh, wait, it's not stories. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's so many things that Claremont brings to the X-Men that is so unlikely for a down-to-earth group of mutants. And I say that with, you know, all tongue-in-cheek here. But, you know, it, it's like when Burns sitting and working on the books, he's working on it within the framework of what's already there. Obviously, in Elsewhen, he's got to work with, you know, the galactic stuff because that's what brought us where we are. But he's not going to sit there. If, if Byrne had been the writer on X-Men, you wouldn't have had the, the whole intergalactic Dark Phoenix saga that way. It would have all stayed on Earth. Well, then maybe does, does Claremont get credit for expanding the book and keeping instead of keeping it so grounded? Yeah, I but mean, at the same time, Claremont's characters, I mean, I mean, the characters that Claremont wrote do not look like the characters they were when they first started. Remember, Len Wein was the guy that actually brought this team together and gave us, you know, the characters of Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler with Kurt, with uh, um, Dave Cockrum's help. But, yeah, but there, but every every writer that comes onto a book, you know, we all know this is, is going to spin a character a certain way, and they're not going to be the same characters they are when the previous. They all have their uh, own agenda when they go into right. They're right. yeah, they they're they're always like, well, this is the way I think this character should be, and then another guy comes on. Or woman, and then things change back. So it, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if we can call it character growth. It's just they're being handled by different people, right? And, uh, and different times. What, so what, what they're comfortable with, which is why if you read 
any Claremont book, virtually any female character is considered to be bisexual. And if you go back on the history of it all, yeah, no, I'm serious. You know, that's that's a common trope in Claremont's writings, and that's no joke. That's just the way it is. Well, and that's just him putting his own take on, I mean, they've said that about Discovery, I think. Somebody's come out and said that the baseline, I don't know if they're talking about in, I think during this Discovery's timeline, before they jump to the future, spoilers, uh, baseline for everybody in the Federation was bisexual. Mm. So... That's such a ridiculous take, claim. Take, take that it just, it you is. know, it just goes to show how easily people are offended. You put uh, a gay character and then a, you know, possibly a bisexual character in a show, and it's, oh my gosh, everyone is gay and trans, and they're all having sex with each other. Well, I'm going to say this, and this is before we we'll get off this topic. Is speaking about one page. Um, <laughs> What Sorry. I was reading, and I was kind of doing some of my research last night for this stuff. <clears> I was just kind of, Page. yes, exactly. At least, at least, at least they picked the right name. Uh, when I was reading on Alpha Flight, if you read the, the wiki for Alpha Flight, it lists, you know, gives you the blurb about what, the, then it lists all the characters. You know, yeah. this is Snowbird, and this is blah blah blah. When it comes to Northstar, it says Northstar. He is a mutant who has super speed and blah blah blah, and he's the team's gay character. <laughs> Do we need to put that in there? Well, wasn't you know? Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Northstar the first openly gay character? Like, I think not so. Openly, not openly, but first gay character. Uh, they, I mean, they didn't bring him out until what? Just a few years ago. No, no, no. no, no it was a while no, back. No. It was a long time back from the beginning. No, well, I mean, they, they never... had that one issue where he came out and said because yep. I remember yeah. that weekend that issue was suddenly super hard to find because yep. he had he had. Uh, I don't know if he came out or if there was a, a kid or something. I don't know what it was. He was outed was... by somebody else. Right. Yeah. Well, didn't he just proclaim, you know, that, in, in, in it, it, that he, you know, he's out? No. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that that's he was he's he's touted as being the first, uh, I guess, established gay. Burn always uh, Burn always had that a part of the backstory, but it wasn't like, and it was there for people who knew to look for it to see right right but it wasn't actually like declared until what, what was it in the mid 90s when they had that issue come out or whatever that and then he got married in what 2012 yeah a few years ago yeah yeah that was and that's the first same-sex wedding in mainstream comics right there so he gets a couple, a couple i wasn't aware that he'd married who did he marry anybody notable anybody Kylie we should know jenna do I don't think, I don't think a, it was a, a superpower super person. Yeah, yeah, it's just a regular Kyle, person. Kyle, Kyle Genadu, excuse me. Um, yeah, that was in issue 51 of Astonishing X-Men. And that drew the ire of the right-wing group One Million Moms. <laughs> Everything draws the ire of somebody else. I don't care right. what side you're on. Hey, if they're not shooting gonna... at you, you're doing something wrong. And nobody's complaining about us, so we're doing something wrong. Maybe we're not edgy enough. Yeah. Now, uh, well, go ahead. As far as the the Wolverine, uh, I'll probably read it, but I, I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, at this point, um, like I said on 
to somebody. I'm like, I'm spent oversaturated with Wolverine. So mm-hmm. you know, I really, I, I, I agree hundred percent with John that I don't, I mean, I think it'd have been fine if you'd never had an origin, if you didn't want to just kind of keep peppering a little, trinkets right. and easter eggs about his past but if he ne- we never had a definitive origin who he was yeah i think it'd be perfectly fine but i really I, liked that aspect of it when i was reading x-men originally i mean there was always this yeah. mystery and this little yeah. bit of yeah we wanted to know but then again when you when you reveal everything it's like okay now what now who's the Where next go from well, there right yeah you know it's just like there's so it it kind of reduces and defines you to this until unless you do something like they've been doing which is like oh no now we've got to make it bone claws oh no now just to make it more interesting because you've revealed it <laughs> you know the whole project cadmus thing where they put him in the tank and created a you know infused his bones i just kind of liked it that he was an escapee from well weapon x uh in canada you know <laughs> or whatever hey, you know? but at least in the case of the weapon x story it was actually good like, you know, a really good story. The Bone Claw thing and, and some of the Origins books, they're, they're just not needed. They're not needed. To your point, you know, they just, they fit, they fill in the lines too well. And then now they're boxed in. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of him coming in and giving what he initially in, intended. And I'll be honest, you know, the thing is, my reading of Wolverine is basically what I read in the X-Men until about issue, you know, somewhere in the 230s, 240s is when I quit. I walked away altogether. And I read a couple of the issues of the Wolverine title itself, but, you know, specifically the ones that Byrne did the work on. Um, I didn't really read anything around it. I read the Weapon X story from the uh, the Weekly, from Marvel Comics Presents, the Barry Windsor Smith story. But beyond that, I didn't really you know go out of my way to read Wolverine stuff. When I heard about the origin story, I said, okay, let me see this. And I was severely disappointed. And I hadn't gone out of my way to read anything else. And obviously, um, I did read the Frank Miller, Chris Claremont miniseries in the 80s and just loved that. And um, I was also a fan, even though Al Milgram did the art, of the Wolverine Kitty Pride story back in the day. Looking at it now, I, I kind of look at it and just kind of roll my eyes. <laughs> but the, the the thing is, is that I stayed away from Wolverine just because I, I, I don't want because I didn't want him to be too big that I got oversaturated with him. And that seems to be what's happened with a lot of people, including you. You know, they're, they're you, just you, oversaturated. I, admit it, uh, Brian. You hate Canadians. <laughs> the thing is with the state lines moving the way they did and me being from minnesota oh. sometimes i am canadian yeah we're pretty close we're pretty close <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> well what do you what do you out there in listening land think of the you know what do we say oversaturation of wolverine the the spinoffs the specials the miniseries uh, do you think that that they're necessary? Do you like having the you know origins or history of the char- characters that uh, you know? To John's point, for much of their um, initial you know decade or two, were a mystery. Uh, go find us on Facebook, Third Degree Burn. Tell us what you think, or uh, send an email at got to get burned at gmail dot com. Right? Does Brian uh, really hate Canadians? Let us yes. know. <laughs> Yeah, I look at, at all the all that we have available to us now is almost like a uh, an all you can eat buffet of of you know comic book history, 
And you well, can find pretty much anything you want out there. If you don't want to see all the Wolverine stuff, you don't have to. And well, does it, does it does it go back to even origin stories in uh, in general? I mean, look at okay. Do we need if somebody come out came out and said I'm going to do a new Batman origin and I've got some uh. new spin on it? Do we need that? <laughs> no. I mean, you know, do we don't need that, right? No, or, we didn't. Or, we didn't need a second Spider-Man <laughs> origin. No, no. Uh, and that sort of thing. So I, mean, I think sometimes they get. I mean, that's the films. That's what I think with the films really uh, misstep is they think they have to keep telling, especially if, if characters say Spider Man and Batman keep telling the origins. Like, no, everybody knows the origin. You don't have to tell the origin again. Let's that's just the get into joke, right. Like, yeah. if I see those pearls hit the ground one more time. I'm gonna snap. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I think every actor think. I mean, every writer thinks they can bring some new pathos or something to. I've got this new spin on the way I'm gonna tell Batman's story. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's this. It's like, yeah, you can do that, but do we honestly? And no that? one's ever thought of it or even considered it. So yeah, mine's <laughs> gonna be the special one that's gonna be the game changer, <laughs> right? And it's not. Well, and I know Brian, you wanted to talk about other stuff too, other than the Chris Claremont uh, burn announcements for Wolverine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, uh, the the other thing that's big news within the last couple of days is that Warner Brothers is planning to release all of their 2021 releases yep. on HBO Max. Release yep. or dump, you you pick. Yeah. Now, but I mean, that hey, there's, there's a lot hey, of movies hey, hey. that that we don't know about, like The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah. There's a Tom and Jerry movie coming out. Um, I saw that. Another Conjuring movie. Uh, another Space Jam movie, but then we've also got Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Suicide Squad, uh, Matrix D- 4, Dune, and Matrix 4, yeah. And uh, Wonder Woman uh, had a test viewing not too long ago, and already the first reviews are out there of what the critics are saying. And to a man, every one of them seems to think this is better than the first movie. That it is a, a really good uh, second effort, so uh, it, that's something to look, to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the first one. In well, theaters for Christmas. Well, yeah, it'll be in theaters and it'll Christmas be streaming day. on HBO Max yeah. Christmas Day. Now, Who plans on going to the theater. In ten days, Andrew Leyland will be able to see it. Uh, and that's the deal with the Warner releases: is that um, they'll be released at the same time. Uh, on HBO Max as they're released in the theater. Mm-hmm. So if if you feel comfortable going to a theater, you can go. You know, if you don't, then you still have access. Yeah. You know, to, to and, watch. And, it, and HBO Max is what six bucks a month or how much is it? Is it fifteen <clears throat> about fifteen yeah. a month? Yeah, it's like twelve. Fifteen. Or 15. Disney. Well, I don't, but I don't. If you're an AT and T customer, you can get it bundled in with your plan. Yeah, it's it's in my yeah. plan. <laughs> well, unlike but unlike Milan, where if you had Disney Plus, you still had to pay they yeah. twenty or thirty extra to get see yeah. Milan. Okay, my uh, wife this, just watched that last watch night. I was not aware, so I need to go find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch. I know. I think we talked about this earlier. I think John said he'd seen. I watched New Mutants uh, last week, or I watched it uh, Thanksgiving holiday. We yeah, it from Redbox, yeah. and it was. Yeah, I give it a C minus. It wasn't. This is this is a long-awaited movie that's been like hanging out there for like <laughs> it's been you know, years. I, I'd give it a Jaws three, um, you know, using Paul Spatara's scale. 
That, yeah, I give it a Jaws three. It, it, I yeah. give it a yeah a Jaws three. You know, it's yeah. worth a watch, uh, especially if you read the the Claremont New Mutants books because they were they. I, I don't want to say that they were um, loyal to the characters or anything, but I recognized each of the characters. Uh, you know, Cannonball, Ilyana. Um, the only one that didn't really hit right for me was was Mirage. Um, Roberto, they, they, you know, they, they made him bigger and they didn't make him quite as, uh, much of a punk. They made him more brash, more like a Flash Thompson almost. Oh, they made him kind of, he was a, he was kind of a, a spoiled rich kid in the book. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. He came and, from, from wealth, but I, I, I didn't like them. I know his power kind of mutated into that later, but I just wanted the, the, uh, and they kind of did the dots a little bit, but I just yeah. wanted him to be his. Sunspot, the way you should. Sunspot, yeah, exactly. And I they turned him they into hand- kind of an Airsat's human torch. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. he has to have more of an offensive power. You know, he wants to have a projectile type power. And the same with Sam. Uh, they didn't. You know, they could have cut back a little bit on that uh, that Kentucky accent or whatever that was he came up with. But- <laughs> oh my, that, that was that was Trailer Park accent. Just to the to the to the nth degree, it actually graded on me a little bit. Yeah, wow. I kind of checked out on that movie when uh, it was it was uh, starting to get some early screenings or something like that. This is like it feels like years ago uh, because there was a, you know initially a lot of heat on it because you know this was going to be a horror movie because mm-hmm. it was going to lift from the Demon Bear storyline, uh, you know, which was dark in the comics. And so I was excited. I was like, oh, fi- finally we're going to break out of this, you know, either you know, galactic universe ending problem um, and, you know, go take our superheroes and move them, you know, into these different, you know, genres, which we know, you know, from the comics, you know, we can tell all kinds of stories in comics, right? Not every single thing is either, you know, galactic, um, you know, or hero versus hero. Sometimes you get these dark, you know, stories that, um, you know, change, change up the pace. And so I was initially excited because I, I was like, oh, all right. You know, we finally get, you know, a horror movie as a horror fan. You know, we get a scary, you know, superhero movie. And those initial reviews started coming out uh, and uh, and they said they kind of toned it way down. Yeah. So I was I was disappointed. You could say that it started out as a horror film and that, that through the, I think they had some extensive reshoots that they were trying to change it to more of an angsty teen kind of relationship uh, story, but the, the, a lot of the horror elements are still there. Yeah, but the, the Demon Bear story itself was was so secondary to everything else they were doing in the plot that, I mean, it really didn't feel, you know, worthwhile as far it, as the horror. It, feels like, it, it felt like a first ep- episode of a series. Exactly, and I'll tell you, the thing is, is that after we were done watching it, both my wife and Christopher we're saying, okay, so are they going to make a TV show out of this? Because I want to watch it. I, I think it was intended to be the first episode of three films. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, it's obviously it's open ended when they. Yeah. And we should say spoilers for for, uh, for uh, new movies if nobody's Don't seen spoil it. it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> I'm going to go rent it tonight. But Anna Taylor Joy, of course, says Ilyana. She definitely, you know, was. Yeah. She was hitting the marks, but then again, she's so mesmerizing with her eyes. If you haven't watched a Queen's Gambit. You need to go and watch that uh, as soon as you can. That is a really, really good series. And she's again, she's captivating. She's just uh, those eyes could, could cut right through you. Eventually, we'll get to the Alpha Flight book, but 
Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> at some, some point, I don't. You know. So, Tim, you said that you can you can see kind of the 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 roots of the movie still showing through the the I guess the bad dye job they put on top of it. If they had continued down that path, do you think it would have been a better movie? I think it might have. They, you know, embrace what it is. You know, don't. You know, I think they were they were trying one thing and then they were getting, I guess, negative feedback and like, oh, we gotta we gotta course correct. But they can only course correct so much without reshooting the whole film. And you know, I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with a straight up horror film as New Mutants. I mean, that's a different take. Why not? Uh, it's uh, similar what they did with, and I don't watch it, but. Uh, Legion, mm, uh, yeah. is that still on or is that oh, is that uh, over? It was three I, it, seasons and out. Okay. It's done. You know that was it was like that. It was like it was kind of tangentially attached to the X Men. They kind of mentioned the X Men in the uh, the film New Mutants, but it's not really part of that world. And it, it feels like a very small film because I don't want to give away too much because Kirk's hadn't seen it yet. But um, it's not necessarily big in scope. But it's small, but not necessarily in a nice, intimate um, way. Uh, there's a you you say you're a film a film a film fan of horror, David. Have you seen the Black Coat's Daughter? Yes. That yeah, that film is. That's kind of small and intimate, and that's yep. straight up horror, and that's very effective. Nobody's seen it. If you like horror, you should watch it. It's like that. That's a very tiny kind of little film, but that works in its favor. And I think the mutants kind of wanted to be. Horror, but then it also wanted to be superhero, and they were obviously they had a very open ended for you know for if they want to do a, a series out of this. So I don't know. I think it was just a misstep, and I think it was just probably handled by too many different people. I think we're going to get there eventually to seeing this stuff branch out. Um, you know, I, we've heard for years now. You know, like, well, how much longer can the you know superhero uh, movies go on? And in my mind, indefinitely, you know, um, so so two things, all these filmmakers have to do is cherry pick from the best of the comic stories. I mean, you talk about New Mutants, you had, what, uh, 30 plus years of stories that you could just mine for, you know, to put something together that would be awesome. And then two, I really want to see um, Tomb of Dracula adapted to a movie. Mm. Hmm. Well, do you do you do that with? I know with Morbius, Morbius coming out, and that looks a little more kind of horror tinged than yeah. uh, than uh, straight up. It's not like Blade, which Blade's right up horror. Yep, yep. You know, do you have Morbius or do you bring back Blade? I mean, and and kind of have Blade the way they did Shield. So if you have a Blade film, just mention something about the Avengers, so you know it's in the same world. But you never have to see the Avengers. You never have to interact with them. You never have to deal with them. You just know that it's on the same planet. And then you can have a straight-up uh, Dracula or vampire movie, maybe introduce Dracula there, or and then maybe he gets his own film. Or I don't know. I mean, there are there's certainly ways to do it. I mean, you could do yeah. uh, Justice League Dark, and that could be all horror, and it could still be in the, in the, the DC universe, but... Uh, just deal with, uh, and I'm not familiar with those storylines, but I think there are, to your point, there are stories you can pick and you do it right. It can be very successful. Yeah, there's there's lots to mine there. And, you know, I, you know, personally, I would just like to see some some different stories being told. Like I said, my, one of my personal favorites, you know, on the horror Marvel side for horror would be Tomb of Dracula. You know, that that went for what, like 70 
72, three issues, 74. Um, and there's lots of great stories to tell out of that series. Um, to your point, the Justice League Dark, uh, the new 52 run was pretty good. So, um, And they did an animated movie uh, of Justice League Dark that was pretty good. I saw that one. That's yep. not bad because it had some uh, you had Kenny as the demon, I think. Yep. Uh, yep. Constantine was in that one. So those, I mean, that's certainly ways to do that. But they've tried. I think the problem is they've tried to inter- like they tried to insert Constantine in his own show. Then they put him in. Yep. Uh, was he in uh, Arrow? Uh, Arrow. Was he in Arrow? Then he yep. was also in um, what's the team show? I'm blanking on the name uh, of Tomorrow. Ch- uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. You know, it's got Firestar Legend, and it's yeah, got Legends of Legends Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Didn't they bring him in on that? Anyway, yeah. they kind of spurted and started to try to do this with so many that it's getting kind of convoluted. That if you want to kind of wipe that out and start over again, it gets, I think it gets to be, be a little confusing. So Legends of Tomorrow has gotten almost, I mean, I, I stopped watching it because it got too silly. And when they brought John Constantine in, they brought, it, brought him in with a, I mean, they weren't really even thinking of magic. When they brought him in, they brought him in because of his sexual tendencies, so they could write towards that. Oh, here we go again. Oh no, I'm just stating, you know, stating, you know, what what they said, you know, what the what the writers said. So yes, yes. I thought they brought him in because uh, he, but even though they canceled his story that or his uh, TV series, he was really super popular. People wanted him back. Yeah, but they they used him as their as their signpost for that. I mean, they'd already expl- well. I, again, I don't want to sit there and offend anybody. I'm not, and, and I'm not trying to speak out against it. I'm just saying that that's you know what they used him for, rather than really focusing on the magical aspects of things. I mean, the the whole season had a magical contingent to it, component to it, but yep. the the other pieces of it were just like there was so much relationship. Uh, work done on a show that didn't need relationship work. It's a team show. I kind of liked it. I, I haven't watched all of it, but what the, what I had watched, I thought it was kind of fun because it was kind of it was kind of goofy Bronze Age kind of yeah storytelling. Yep. But you can uh, only take is, that so much. Now the original Constantine series with Matt Ryan, that is awesome. I love that, and uh, it's got me watching other stuff that I probably wouldn't have watched ever before because. You know, The Exorcist screwed me up so bad when I was a little kid. Because I'm watching the Hellstrom series right now, and I'm really enjoying that. Well, I picked up, and I haven't watched it, but I picked up, and I know you're a big fan of it, uh, Brian, Stargirl, the first season. So yeah. I haven't watched it yet. And I just finished, a couple weeks ago, I finished Swamp Thing, and that was okay. Yeah. Uh, and I've got Titans, and I've got Stargirl, which I haven't watched. Did, so. Now, what, what did you think of the Anatomy Lesson episode, though? Because that, that one, I mean, it seemed like they took a, so much of that from the original book. Yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was was pretty good. I thought, um, and then I, because of that, I went to the library and picked out two of the new, I guess the, it's either the New 52 or it's the current Swamp Thing books. New, new 52. And then new they did 52. a, yeah, then they did a miniseries, Scott Snyder. Who, it was uh, Snyder. It was Snyder because yep. it was, it was uh, he had been cured of being Swamp Thing and he was brought back. Yep. That storyline, yep. I, I did. I wasn't very impressed with it, uh, but so in, in uh, that in that version, they're saying that he is Alec Holland, and not and that, uh, not just, he was somehow Alec Holland was brought back to life as Alec Holland, and but then he, uh, you know, spoilers for the book, he at one point has to become yep. Swamp Thing again to save the world or the green or whatever, yep. um, and he was fighting 
somebody else. Uh, that Alexa. that series really, you know, has kind of got a slow ramp up. Yeah, yeah, it's and, very slow. And then it gets and then it gets going really, really good. But yeah. to your point, you got to get you got to get through those first initial issues. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what it is with Swamp Thing, uh, but he can't seem to keep a series going for that long. <laughs> uh, after the Vertigo run, right? You know, as soon as that run ended, he's never had another run of the same scale. Uh, but the the TV show that you mentioned, uh, I thought it was really good. Probably the best depiction, you know, of Swamp Thing we're going to get, you know, for the next twenty years, unless he shows up in a movie or something. Yeah, and I, I'm not as, as familiar enough with. I mean, most of my Swamp Thing comes from the Wes Craven film, uh, which good or bad, <laughs> and well, the zipper. Uh, and I've never zipper. really read. <laughs> but Adrian Barbeau, man, can't go wrong there. Uh, but so I don't. I wasn't familiar, and the Swamp Thing cartoon, which didn't go anywhere. But I went, I've got the first episode on tape, <laughs> which has Arcane and his Animan and all that, or Unman and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I thought it was okay, but I haven't. Uh, uh, I'm not as invested in it, so maybe I was uh, a little more. I mean, my only big complaint was it seemed to be that uh, is it Abby Arcane? Yeah, mm-hmm. she she's like I'll go talk swamp thing, and like she's out in the swamp in like a second. <laughs> yeah. It's like the swamp is right next door <laughs> to where the town is. Right. Like you guys are just going deep into the swamp in a matter of seconds. So um, and she just hops in that boat all by herself. Just yeah, boom. yeah. She's you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> no he's, he's he's protecting her, I guess. I loved his voice though on the show. Yeah, the you suit know. work is great. I mean, whoever that is, that's an actual suit, and I'm sure yeah. it was probably augmented with some uh, CGI. But right. the CGI was, and it was certainly. And I do like the guy that became the uh, uh, Floronic Man. Yeah, that's Kevin Mason. Yeah, I like that actor, and I yeah. like his his portrayal in the uh, in the you show. Know, you and know, he was the, the Blob. Shape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Wolverine Origins. <laughs> Who's showing the Snowblind cover? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, maybe God. we should move on. We've been talking yeah, yeah, for it's, it's an hour, and we haven't talked about Alpha Flight yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, you've got the particulars for us? I do have the particulars for this particular episode and this particular issue. Uh, let me write down a, a time here, and I will get to it right now. We, uh, as data, we are discussing Alpha Flight, Volume 1, Issue 6. Uh, there are two stories in this. There's the main story, which is 16 pages, called Snowblind. And there's a little backup story, which is the origin of uh, Shaman, which is like six pages, called The Old Ways. And we're going to cover both. Uh, our writer is John Byrne. Our artist and inker is John Byrne. Our colorist is Andy Yankus. Mm-hmm. Yankus. Our letter is Michael Higgins, our editor is Linda Grant, and our guiding light is Mr. Jim Shooter. This has a cover date of January 1984 and an on-sale date of October 18th, 1983, and it cost a whopping 60 cents. Now, this is, uh, I think Brian mentioned this, this is part of uh, a month-long gimmick, if you want to call it, Assistant Editor's Month that ran, and most of the stories had... I mean, they were either a different type of storytelling or they did some gimmicky things. They did, uh, and I don't know if, obviously, I don't think this is actually, I, don't, I, I couldn't find a lot of information on this. The assist, When they call it the Assistant Editor's Month for this story, the, the editor in this didn't really have anything to do with it. This is all Burns' idea, correct? No. Um, 
Burns said assistant editors month is pretty much anything but uh, that, you know, while the, the idea is that all of the editors are gone off to convention in San Diego or whatever, uh, or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing for some conference that the assistant editors are the ones, you know, calling the shots, calling the shots. And that's not the case. Everything has to get final approval through the editors. Right. It, it's all planned, but it's Marvel did this for a while. You know, remember the two years, I think they did it. Right. And it was the thing that Jim Shooter had. And it had some interesting, you know, things that happened. Uh, my favorite, of course, was the Aunt May Galactus story in Marvel Team Up, mm-hmm. where Aunt May winds up being becoming the uh, Herald the of Galactus. Oldie. The Golden Oldie. The Golden Oldie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, all, all Galactus really needed was Twinkies. I guess Woody Harrelson's playing Galactus now. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, they did a gimmick like this, too, and I don't know where it fits. I know it was in the 80s where they had all photo covers. You know, it was yeah, actually yeah, instead of a drawn that. cover, it was actual photo, a photograph, yeah. it was the covers. Yeah, they had uh, that infamous uh, Spider-Man one where he was mm-hmm. caught changing in the closet. That was closet. Uh, and they had the Doom, ones. or Fantastic Four was a Doom mask, it was projecting the bolts out of its eyes. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Whew. Now, yeah. uh, you do you have what else came out this month? I do. It was only two other books that I could find. One was FF two sixty two, the trial of Reed, uh, trial of Reed Richards, which uh, Byrne was a writer and artist, mm-hmm. and thing number seven, two fisted feet, uh, where Byrne was only the writer and Ron Wilson was the artist. Yeah, and that had a beautiful cover too. Yeah, the the thing kind of being smashed. That's when he was wrestling, right? When he was yes, part of the so. world wrestling, right. the un, or whatever unlimited Class world wrestling. Class one thousand or yeah, yeah. You know, the unlimited kind of what cage matches have become now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready? MMA I will get into there was MMA. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marvel. Uh, I could call that. Anyway. All right. Our synopsis for the first story is called Snowblind, and it goes a little something like this. And on the front cover, it says, and a big stamp says, Beware, it's just an editor's month. Don't say we didn't warn you. Not, not on the cover, it's on the first page. First page, splash yeah. page. He he actually fought to make sure it wasn't on the first, the front cover. Because the others it was on the covers, and the others wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. And our story goes something like this: We open in the office of the RCMP, which I'm assuming stands for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Chief of Staff, um, District of Mackenzie, Northwest Territories. Chief Inspector Hamilton is chewing out Anne Mackenzie. And wants to know why she keeps disappearing from her post. We, of course, know that she is often off saving Canada as snowbird of Alpha Flight. She explains his predecessor authorized her absences. The inspector reminds her he is in charge and orders an investigation into her actions and confines her to a cell. Corporal Doug Thompson tries to get Anne to explain where she goes so that he can maybe help with the inspector, but she declines and settles into her new digs. Speaking of digs, 40 miles north, an oil rig drilling for oil... Uh, is drilling for oil despite the warnings from the native workers that the area is ancient and dangerous. Suddenly, green energy erupts from the drill head. A swirling maelstrom destroys the drill and reforms itself into Kolomak. That's how you say it. Okay, so Kolomak. A giant, a giant shaggy figure with a distinct Indian totem face stands before the startled men. After a thousand years, it is free. Anne senses a great disturbance in the force and another of the ancient beasts is loose. She transforms into Snowbird, her Snowbird persona, and crashes through the wall. Interlude. James Hudson, Guardian, leader of Alpha Flight, 
streaks across the skies of Ottawa. He ponders the Canadian government severing ties with the superhero team. Now they are on their own. He arrives home, but his wife is still at work. Pouring himself a glass of tea, he spots a letter from Roxon, America's biggest and corrupt oil company, on the table. He opens the letter. Great Scott! And interlude. Snowbird intercepts Kolomak and commands him on commands him to halt. His ancient enemy Tundra has fallen. See Alpha Flight number one. Kolomak recognizes Snowbird as the spirit of Hodiak and the power of Nelvana, another of his ancient foes. The beast unleashes his power with a living blizzard, for he is a living embodiment of winter. Snowbird is Snowbird is caught in a total whiteout. She transforms into a 1,000-pound polar bear and attacks. Two combatants crash through trees and boulders. Suddenly the ground is gone. Nothing but empty air. Snowbird changes into a giant snow owl and circles Kolomak as the storm rages. Fearing she will give in to the animal's nature, Snowbird resumes her human form and collapses into the snow. She is snowblind. She cannot assume the shape of a beast to see through the, to see through the snow like a bat because her powers are only tied to native uh, creatures of Canada. Kolomak taunts her. She has the power of the old god. He will be enough, but will it be enough to defeat him? She attacks the ancient beast in her human form and staggers him, but he counters with a swarm of ice daggers that slash at her skin. She taunts Kolomak. His powers are weak, old man. He cannot defeat her. The ancient one grows angry and unleashes his full power against our hero. The storm rips at the base of the cliff, and with an earth-shattering rumble, Kolomak is buried under tons of rock and snow. Once again, he is imprisoned in, in, by his ancient foe, Tundra. The storm clears, and our hero is greeted by men from the drill, base, drill site. She suggests they seal the entire slide with concrete so the beast can never rise again. She takes off. She takes to the air, worrying if the ancient barriers continue to weaken, how many other beasts will emerge. The end. Do you want to do the next story before giving her thoughts? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to? Can we keep? Want me to keep going, or do you want yeah. to do it story by story? Okay. All right. Our little backup story uh, is called "The Old Ways," and it deals with Michael, Doctor Michael Two Youngman. We open on Doctor Michael Two Youngman, aka Shaman on Alpha Flight, sitting on a bluff overlooking a snowy lake near Banff, Alberta. He treks back to his one-room cabin of the last ten years and reflects on his life. Flashback. He was called the best physician in Canada, but with all his powers, he could not save his wife. Her death cost him the love of his daughter. She was full of rage and grief and blamed him for her death. Cute Disney moment. <laughs> exactly. The same, day his grandfather, the same day his grandfather passed, a medicine man to Michael's tribe. He receives a strange gift and is told not to open it until he knows it is time. Flash forward. Michael never believed in the mystic part of the mystic part of his heritage. He was a man of science, but now he hears another calling. He unwraps the gift and is visited by a force ghost. The, that is the ghost of his grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Michael is afraid he is, Michael is afraid he is going mad, but Papa ghost tells him to look at the table and he sees the skull of his grandfather resting on a leather medicine bag. The ghost tells him he must accept the old ways. He must reach into the bag and take out a handful of pine needles. Michael pulls out nothing. His doubt has caused him to fail. His grandfather warns him to never look into the bag. Let the lesson begin. My like Jorel and Yoda. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Michael is to unlearn what he has learned and be trained in the ancient ways. He trains his body and learns to look with new eyes. 
The days the day comes when he must reach into the bag again, but his grandfather warns him that doubt can cost him dearly. He clears I his mind. With look, you will. <laughs> exactly. He clears his mind and reaches in and pulls out a handful of pine needles. This scene does not go unnoticed by our own resident Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange, who proclaims Michael T. Youngman will make a great shaman. The end. Perhaps the greatest top. they've ever known. <laughs> wow. You know, again, the the stories were enjoyable. I liked reading them again, but I really, really just was not happy with the art. Really? And, and, uh, especially in Snowblind. Um, but I mean, it, in in both of them, you know, this is this is the point where Burns started using his artistic shorthand, where I'd say that he was doing very light breakdowns and then uh, inking, and he had very thick lines on his inks, and so it muddied the pages a lot, um, it, you know, in, in in both. Now he didn't do many backgrounds in the uh, Snowbird story. He did a lot more backgrounds in the in the Shaman story. So I think that he definitely had a little bit more passion for that one than he did for Snowbirds. Well, I think the but look at the and I, I think I'll disagree that I think the artwork is actually pretty sharp. Are you reading the actual comic? Or are you reading? Uh, I'm, I'm, a scan? I'm going from a scan, but uh, the the comic that I had also was was very thick, and, and there was a lot of bleed through on the comic that I had. And I use as an example um, on one of the the snowblind pages. The one where you've got the nice rumble. Um, <laughs> when when you're looking at the the panels beneath it, I can actually see someone chucking bubble gum into their mouth uh, from the bleed through from the page, you know, after it. Mm. Um, so I, again, maybe it's muddier as a result uh, of that. I'd like to see a good digital recreation. Uh, maybe I should go to Comixology or someplace to look that's, at it and see how it's. That's what I'm. I'm reading a a, a recolorized, cleaned up version. And yeah, it's, and I'm looking at it from Alpha Flight Classics. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, I think that he does. Yeah, he's got a few. I mean, yeah, you may you know when when Guardian is flying around. Yeah, there's no. Granted, he's supposed to be in the air, so there's no background, but. When he does have a background, when he's flying over his house, that's well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I think the eruption of uh, Kalamak when he comes out with this green fire, kind of a we call it an Elmo's fire. I think that's yeah. well done. And then again, I'm not saying that the whole book looks bad. And again, this is like, you know, bad pizza is better than good root canal. Uh, <laughs> bad John yeah. Byrne art is better than the best art by a lot of other artists. Uh, and I'm not saying it's bad so much as that it's not the best that I've seen from him, obviously. And, and I'm also biased by because, because of the things that he has said over the years. That's affected my ability to, to enjoy this fully. Whereas the, when I was younger... This issue of all of Alpha Flight. A, a lot of Alpha Flight, not all of it. Um, but you know, he was going through a lot of um, emotional deals back at, at this particular point in time. He was not a happy person at this point in time. Hmm. And again, the Alpha Flight book was one that he was kind of pressed into a corner to do. He didn't want to do it. But he didn't want someone else to come in and do it and, and you know totally destroy it. And he came in, he did what, 28 issues. He gave some stories that were really good. He surprised us. He turned it on its edge and, and gave us what he did. As soon as he left it, the next guy that came in completely destroyed everything that he'd uh, he'd built up, 
and turned it into something else. The only thing that stayed all throughout the continuity was, well, and they even tried to change that a bit, was North Star and, you know, North Star sexuality. It was, it, it, it's one of those things where you just, I, because I know so much about it, it's hurt my ability to enjoy it. Uh, and it, it makes me look at the art and go kind of, okay, so yeah, he, he really didn't, he didn't uh, have as much passion for this as he would some other things. Now, you know, looking at all this, the, the one, there's one thing that sticks out to me. If you go to the very last page of the shaman story and you look at that top left panel, where he's standing there mostly naked in the, the loincloth and everything. There's something, because the line is so thick, it makes the image look off to me. And that's an example of the things that I see when he's doing his art this way, is that the, the art looks almost Ditko-esque, and not, yes. in the, not in the good way, you know? Um, so... It, you know that that's the things I see, and when I look at his Fantastic Four work, when I look at his Superman work, when I look at other things, I see so much more in there. Even when he's doing his own inking, there is something missing here, and that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying. You know, what stuck out to me was how many panels have no backgrounds, mm -hmm. and that always irks me. And I know, you know, sometimes artists will do it to draw extra emphasis on a particular character right, or a particular scene. But we've already had five page, five blank pages. So when I see that, to me, that just says, okay, I, I'm either rushing to get this out or I don't care about it that much. Because I'm to your point, if I'm expecting John Byrne level of work, there's just the details are missing. You know, and with Byrne, it's the details that really make his art you know, a stand above others. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you noticed that too, but that, I mean, especially in the old ways, there's a whole yeah. lot of right, right. And you like the burn tech and and, and you know all the argle bargle and argle bargle. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the the there's a couple things that you should know. Number one, he actually did breakdowns on the pages that turned out white, so that he can make sure that the framing of each uh, each panel and the lettering and everything sits right with the action right. that he was presenting. So he actually did some breakdowns in there. I'd love to see them. Uh, I, I don't know that they've ever been uh, printed anywhere for us to see, but that would be really cool. Um, number two is that he did get paid his normal rate for those pages. Yep. Shooter said blank pages were an artistic decision and, you know, paid him the same rate. Well, yeah, you, know, you can I mean, say what you will by Shooter. He stood up for that. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think some of this controversy is a little manufactured about this. It's like, it's one, the, from hearing people talk about it, you think it was the whole, the whole issue right. was nothing but blank pages. I think there's five pages. Yep. And within those five pages, there's a lot of dialogue and you can really tell, I kind of like the way it's done because you have to kind of use your imagination as to what's going on. Right. And it, yeah, it's kind of a gimmick, but it's not, if the whole, if the whole issue was that way, then that would be a, a bit of a problem. But he brings it back around with those with the great two-page spread where you get the rumble and you kind of slowly, you know, when the avalanche happens and suddenly the, the the snowstorm is dissipated and you've got all that great art, as you would say, Brian Argle Bargle. Uh, I mean, I, I I kind of, if anything, I kind of wish this was, it, it's, it's kind of, the story's quick and it's over. I would rather if, leave the, the, the shaman story out, I'd rather expand this a little more so that maybe you get a little bit of their fight before he does the snowstorm 
and then maybe so you get a couple pages of them actually fighting it before he decides well I'm just gonna you know white, yeah. white it out and I, I don't um, want anybody to think this is a total slam because I, I I mean I enjoy the book but there are certain things I think are really really interesting like you noticed how with Aurora he does not not Aurora I'm sorry um, um, Snowbird Snowbird excuse me that he doesn't make her like the other women that he's drawn in other comics. I mean, they all have this kind of sexy, mm-hmm. you know, countenance about him. He doesn't do that with her. That, you know, she's just a normal woman in the costume. You know, none of her features are, are exaggerated or anything, not like right. you would see with Aurora or, or any other. Well, I, I think that helps because she's. You, you get a little bit of it when she's talking to the inspector, but, you know, she's not fully human so she's a little she's a little detached so she's a little not quite uh as human as everybody around her so that i think that helps that she's a little that it proves that she's different and and i i read i haven't again i didn't read a, a past i'm like i, I fell off flat to about make issue 50 um she marries this guy later, Doug, the guy that's trying to be sympathetic to her and get her to explain why she's going so he can help out. They get married and have a child later, right? That's what I read. I'm not surprised the way he was sticking by her yeah. that, that he definitely had uh, um, an attraction or something to her. Yeah. But Did this that... story is also... Oh, right. go ahead. No, I was going to change subjects a little bit. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say this... And I've said this before about Alpha Flight. What I liked about Alpha Flight was that it was so Canadian centric. Mm-hmm. And this is when they dealt with the old gods and all these ancient beasts that were all had to do with Canada. Is what I really liked about the stories because it felt it's a superhero stories, but it's so separate from stuff that's going on in New York and uh, you know in the states that he and then all this is Burns doing. And I think it dropped off a little bit when he left the book. That it was. It was dealing with Canada and the stuff that's going on there. So at least I like the more the mystical, magical part of this story and the stuff that they were fighting instead of just, uh, you know, maniacal supervillains that want to take over the world. I, I like that, too. Uh, um, well, when it came out, I was really excited uh, about it. Uh, and I thought, you know, not knowing his whole back feelings about it and stuff like that that didn't to me it didn't come through to me when i was reading the book itself and i like uh, i agree with you i like the the fact that it was taking place in canada and was a whole different um feel to it than the typical villain of the moment type stuff so stories like this were just really cool for me and um, i think snowbird was um one of my favorite characters one of my favorite of the alpha flight just because of that mysticism and like you said you know when, well when she turned into snowbird she took on that sort of uh, not quite human characteristics which is a cool aspect of uh, when when she deployed her power and stuff like that so um, yeah her and Aurora were kind of my favorite ones I kind of like the dynamic of Aurora versus Jean-Marie and, <laughs> and all that stuff uh, it was kind of fun. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, it's it, fun. the guy on page three. Does he look like Madison Jeffries to you guys? At the bottom of page three. <laughs> Good, yeah. The the oil worker guy. Yeah, and I'm trying to 
pull up the first appearance. I think the first appearance of Addison Jeffries was in issue one, but I don't remember him at all from there. But uh, anyway, I mean that's that's I I, I think I've said everything I, I've I've got to say on both. Now again, I'll well what I will say is I really enjoyed the um, the shaman story, but I, I did find the ties to Superman or Yoda to be to be very strong. You know, it's like I almost expected to hear Marlon Brando go, let's go on a journey through time and space. You know? Yeah, it's 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 Perfect. a little cliche, you know, of him, you know, having to uh you know, he's you know, he's a he's a man of science. He became a doctor and he doesn't you know, he's turns his way against the, the his his heritage and then his grandfather comes up and says, "No, you basically have to learn something new." Um, I do like the way he's drawn him. It's in it's in it's most of the page where he's lifting his grandfather's skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks well. He looks a little. Well, almost looks a little overweight. His face is very full, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like he's he he doesn't look like he's necessarily in good health. No. And then the later when he's you know he puts a loincloth on and just and he's just doing all this. You know, he's learning to run through the. He says, "Run through the forest without startling neither bird nor beast," and he can, he can bathe. Yeah, that whole that thing was, was just snow. ridiculous. Um, and and uh, just remember, Doctor Strange is watching all this. Um, <laughs> That's even creepier. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, bit, bit, while being um, watched by the the, the ancient one. Uh oh. Those nights with Shaman alone. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, I. I and maybe it's just modern, you know, 2020, uh, you know, glasses on. <sighs> there is kind of this issue with, and it's probably very timely with what's going on in the world, that his grandfather is asking him to reject, right, all of the, you could almost put in the white man ways, you know, the white man's world and come back to, uh, you know what's true and right you know which are these traditions that he's forgotten and and i have kind of an issue with that because um you know you see it in you know the black community the indian community right any any community um where someone becomes highly educated and you know they're very successful that they're somehow lesser than because well, they turn their they like they turn their back on their people. right yeah and I and that you know again this is just 2020 you know glasses I would have much rather you know like to have seen a you know integrate you know integration you know of hey you're you, you know you're current on what really causes all these things right because you became a medical doctor so you know not this you know you need to you need to forget all of that it's like, well, why don't we take what you know and combine it, right, with my Mary Poppins bag that I'm going to give you, and you know, you can basically do anything. No, I, I, really would, I would, I would state that the, you should tell him to not look in the bag before you tell him to pull something out of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, pull out those pine leaves. Well, let me look and see if I can see him. Oh, don't look in there. Oh God. It's it's to me, it's more like Felix's bag. You know, his bag of tricks. That could be anything. And that's what to, it, um, uh, to me it felt like, because it, it's like uh, anything he could. Um, and I think there's a, and I'm sure you guys have read or seen about it, the, the big controversy around the, the new Warriors. They tried to come up with this new team 
that uh, was very, you know, to use the word woke. And there was a character who was also an Indian character, I think, who had a backpack that was just like this. She had a backpack that she could kind of pull out whatever she needed to for the situation. So that's, uh, you know, and that, that, that's a that's an easy thing to write for because it's like, well, what do I need this week? Okay, well, I'll switch my bag and I'll pick it out, you know. Yeah, so I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but it's just, as I was, you know, I haven't read much Alpha Flight. I mean, when again, when I was cutting my teeth on comics, Alpha Flight was kind of on, you know, it had passed the halfway point that Tim talked about, you know, he dropped off on, um, you know, and just wasn't, you know, the new hot property. Um so I don't. I have not personally read a lot of Alpha Flight. I've read some bits and pieces here and there, but I, I think this could have been done better. But I understand it in the context of you know 1984. I, but I think it could have been done with a little more sensitivity. Well, I think anytime you have and you think of any film or show where you've got, uh, it's usually a Native American, but. Mm-hmm where somebody has, like you said, left the reservation or gone off and yep. got an education. Maybe they've, and they're successful, which equals they, they just, they want lots of money. Then yep. there's somebody on the reservation. It's like, well, you've turned your back on our people. You've lot, you've forgotten the old ways, you know, that kind of thing. And in, and in most cases, the person that's left the reservation is portrayed as a, as a villain or a bad yep. guy or somebody who just has his own interest in heart. So I think that's, you know, so this is nothing new that Byrne, he's not breaking new ground here. This is pretty, no. uh, and I think, you know, with him being a surgeon, you need to get that, well, hey, I turned my, you know, I, I became a doctor, a surgeon, and now I've, I've, I've embraced my heritage and now I'm this medicine, but I'm still an intelligent person. So right. he's not just a guy that was raised in the tribe to be the medicine man and naturally took over. So, I, I mean, or, or it's, it's that, dichotomy of I'm a, um, it's it's kind of like Doctor Strange in a lot of ways you know I'm a highly educated mm-hmm. person but I deal in this mystic world right so at least he didn't you know the, the the idea that he did of putting his faith in you know well not necessarily his faith but uh, putting himself into it in order to be able to believe that he's going to pull the the pine needles out it wasn't something that he forced him to create his own faith and what i mean is is like he revealed himself as a mystical being to michael rather than being a person a physical being that's sitting there trying to tell him all this do you understand what i'm talking about where yeah you know someone has to believe in something somebody has to come up with the faith of it well it's, yeah. there's a lot of there's a there's a and i almost put in you know do or do not because there's a lot yeah. of yoda saying with you there's it never can be done know and that's what he's his grandfather saying there's doubt in you you know you, yeah. you know only when there's no doubt can you actually pull out uh what you need to pull out so that's which is isn't, isn't that ironic right it's always the the characters in in there right are not like holy crap you know they're <laughs> my grandfather's spirit has <laughs> manifested itself in front of me all this stuff is true you know like yeah there's a heaven there's a hell there's you know whatever right you know they, they still do the oh i don't believe you know it's like i just want one of these guys to be like i'm a freaking spirit i'm i'm right in front of you you know <laughs> what more do you need to see <laughs> to believe well it's it's the same with you know not to you know bring it back to bring it to star trek but every episode's like Something um, you're, you know amazing happens. You're like they're all 
It's a stem founder. Like, no, the right. same thing happened last week. You know, you don't right. remember, you know. Right. I will say, you know, I, I did like his uh, shaman's disgust at the fact that he's holding his uh, grandfather's boiled skull. skull. Yeah, I know. You know? Uh-huh. He's like, this is freshly done. What did you do? You know, he, the grandfather, well, this is the only way I could stay tethered here, you know, to be able to talk to you. And, uh, you know, just FYI, the bag's made out of my scrotum. So hopefully that's, okay. <laughs> that's Icelandic magic there. Oh man! Um, <laughs> as you know, my son, my son, they get low hangers as you get old. Um, that's a twist on Nevada Smith so, there. So, why, um, you but know, why, but why couldn't shaman? Could he pull like an MRI machine out of there? It says it can only pull anything out that'll fit in the bag. So it have to be like uh, either it's like it has to be like a pole. <laughs> that you can pull out like a long, something long and thin, or it has to be small. Ew. So if he gets dust so, and so, David, you know, and you know, I never got what you were saying. That I always kind of reading it, and even reading it again, it was more like um, bringing the two together. And I don't think Shaman ever abandoned the science aspect of it. I think he kind of throughout the rest. Well, at least while I was reading, um, he. <clears throat> merged the two together and brought both worlds together and you know stood a, with a foot in both worlds so i didn't really get the the idea that grandfather was saying abandon all of the uh, the western medicine that you've learned but you have abandoned the, the ways of our people and we need to bring that forth and bring that together and that's a part of who you are and you know and i think a lot of people in the modern day uh, we all you know a lot of folks have kind of forgotten those mystical connections and those things uh, that are part of every every culture and heritage and so i just thought it was uh maybe it and i'm sure it's very cliche i mean uh, pat broderick did it over in firestorm with the character of bison happy it birthday was, firestorm he's 43 today oh is he wow wow so you know the it seems that's the kind of the the the, the typical back story for an uh, indigenous uh, persons uh, back then anyway uh, now yeah. I think it's probably a little bit more more realized and they're you know people are writing the characters a lot better uh, you know I think Mirage was kind of that way as well or Danny when she first came out Thunder Thunderbird was the angry Native American rather than. Uh, you know that they took off the table rather quickly, but uh, you know I, I think um, I, I don't I, you know I think that there was a, a good backstory to kind of bring the the connection to the land and the connection to the people uh, and use it. Uh, I, 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 and Shaman was one of my favorite characters too. I mean, <laughs> now with, with Shaman, did they did he skip or uh, stay away from? Like the ideas of like peyote and and other uh, mind-altering substances, and oh. obviously he doesn't do it here. The only one that's got you know smoky stuff going on is Doctor Strange. But <laughs> I don't but, think he. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember him doing that. It. I'm wondering if yeah. they if they did you know uh, Mantlo did or any of the writers following. That I don't know. I didn't. Um, by by the time. Uh, <clears throat> Burn left. I was uh, out of. I was across the country or across the world, 
you know, uh, in the Navy. So <laughs> comic books were not very easy to have in store. So I <laughs> yeah. kind of missed a lot of them. But that would have been one of those stereotype things that they would have done. Yeah. And, of course, I keep thinking of Young Guns, too. With uh, Well, Burns certainly, <laughs> Burns certainly revisited that in the Hulk annual. For the, oh, the, yeah, that's right. The Hulk uh, the fanfare, uh, Marvel fanfare, fanfare we did. But that's yeah. much later, so I don't I mean that that it could have been comics code that he wasn't allowed to. Uh, I mean, it's that one shot of him kind of sitting on a bluff with all the stars in the back. I think is him kind of communing with, um, you know, yeah. clearing his mind. And it's it's very this is very Yoda and Luke like mm-hmm. of him, um, you know, learning to to <laughs> to, which is funny because he says he learns. He says the lessons that Michael T. Yeoman learns over the next few weeks is one of discipline. I think if you're a surgeon, I think he probably learned discipline. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a different kind of discipline, but physical discipline. Yeah. Uh, the the last panel with uh, Doctor Strange is very a nice, very take on a Steve Ditko style. That's, I, absolutely, the Ditko Doctor. Isn't that great? Yep. Yeah. I will say that Shaman's uh, grandfather is ripped. <laughs> hey, when you're in the uh, afterlife, you can have whatever See what kind of body you want. See what we have to look forward to? We get our perfect ripped bodies then. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but except for you have to have half your skull boiled and wrapped well. in jewels. <laughs> but doesn't he talk to his grandfather later on? Does he kind of his grandfather kind of visits him as a as a ghost? If I recall, yes, I think occasionally so. we get a visit here and there. Yeah, yeah. I would Dr. I would Trace. imagine as, as long as the skull remains. And it's not buried, mm. you know, kind of that thing. Like, as long as uh, Doctor Strange is watching Shaman After Dark over here, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then for me, real quick, back to the uh, main story, uh, the 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 Snowblind pages. Back then, when I first got this, I thought it was just a really cool way to tell the story. I heard a lot I, of people I, complain. I mean, I still see people <clears throat> complaining in the forums and Facebook groups and such. You know that they they paid for a comic book of you know all of Burns' work, not you know half uh, the book of his work. It, no, it, I, again, people fuss today because they want to turn a you know turn a phrase or yeah, himself being a little bit more you know. That's 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 why I thought some of it's manufacturers, people yeah. wanting to to kind of bolster themselves. I mean, I would rather complain about it. I've I've but, read but whole the, books that the artwork is just crap. I'm like, I paid for this. <laughs> Yeah, but let's this back was... away from that for just a second because I want to under- I want to know what our listeners think of this. I mean, did you have an, a, a, a gripe? And if so, you know what, what was it? And you know how? I mean, how did you feel about this? I'd like to know. So you know, write us at the gotta get burned at gmail.com or, or let us know on Facebook. Uh, just re- you know, respond to uh, the issue. Uh, we, you know, yeah. we, we're getting little responses here and there from people on, on the past couple uh, episodes, but nothing nothing that uh, we need to read out. But Still, we definitely would like the feedback, and uh, maybe if you tell us something really interesting, we'll read it on air. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with the white pages. I think they're I, fine. I thought it was a great part of what telling the story. I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I'm, I do kind of think that getting paid full rate <laughs> is a little, little excessive when you've got other artists, like, you know, putting forth all the pages, and I'm like... I, if I was an artist, then I'd be like, "All right, I'm going to turn in six pages of blank panels then and get paid full rate." If you know, if that's the if that's what um, the company wants now, fine. <laughs> so you do you do believe Byrne then, John, that this was par- all part of his master plan, you know, with this issue, or 
do you believe what others have written, you know, out there that say, you know, he was rushing? He, he had a deadline to get. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I think it was that. I don't know what to believe. I think it was a clever way to do the story. And it, with it being assistant editor month, you know, it was a that's to me, crazy that way to throw it in. I think I think it was part of what he wanted to do for this for the uh, for the hype and the and the shtick of the of the month. You know, and right. knowing what we know about Burns' abilities as far as an artist goes, is that he's doing artwork on two different books in the month. He could do more than that if he needed to. I mean, you know, when I was looking up something for. Um, uh, well, when I was looking up for my my submission for the Thanksgiving episode, you know, when he first started, he was doing three books a month, at least, you know, maybe more. So, uh, it's I don't I don't think he was shortcutting because he was rushing or something. I, I think I think it was just I think it was part of the assistant editor's month. It was a cool way to tell the story. We've seen him do stuff like this and other things. People complain when he does those four panels in the row where it has the exact same thing and then the expressions change slightly and they're you know like in the she-hulk graphic novel where he says hey i have some bad news you know you can never turn back to jennifer walters and there's like four panels and then she's like okay so what's the problem what's the bad news you know that was those <laughs> those are artistic choices that i think work and this i think thought worked i i you know i don't i do i want every book of six pages like this no <laughs> right uh, but for well, I, I, I agree. We've seen him do this stuff before, and to your point, it's assistant editors where it's kind of just kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of way of doing something. That uh, I don't think I don't think this is his. Oh, I, I you know if I don't draw five pages, then uh, you know that saves me a day or two. I think it was I think it was just planned all along. Well, I, I, I agree. There was um, there was that issue of what if uh, thirty four. You know, what if the watcher were a stand-up comedian? And um, in there, there was uh, a two pages that were done, of course, that was all tongue-in-cheek. One of them, of course, let me, I'm pulling it up right now, yeah. What if the Silver Surfer, White Tiger, Knight Rider, Iceman, and Moon Knight fought Wendigo in a snowstorm? And it was a full blank white, you know, it was half a page. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bottom panel was, what if the Black Panther fought the Shroud, the Master of Darkness, in a coal mine? <laughs> and uh, it says at the bottom, writer Tom DeFalco, artist Tom DeFalco, gee, this is even easier than collecting grass. <laughs> and uh, let's see, when did that come out? That came out in August of 1982. So two years, uh, two years ahead of this. So I think that was the inspiration for it. I'm surprised some some fan hasn't come along and maybe they have. I just haven't seen it and filled in these pages like, oh, I'm gonna draw what actually you know from the dialogue what happened. Marvel tryout book, something like that. You know, they're not to publish it, but just to just to you know the same kind of people that are inking his Elswind stuff. Just so like, well, this is what my interpretation of what. Well, that I would think. be interesting. Yeah. And if he really did sketch these out. Uh, it would be interesting to see what those pages, what those sketches look like, if he has, if he still has them, or you know. I bet uh, he does. I, I think it's kind of. Who's got Burns' ear? Let's ask him. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
<laughs> I, I would say he is probably not a fan of ours. I mean, you know, again, I, Tim, Tim, and I both met him. He knows that we're podcasters. He's talked with both of us for a few minutes each, and was very gracious. Um, no. That being, did he call said, us morons when we covered that Christmas story? Well, he oh. just said that it's true. It, it's obvious that we don't know anything oh, about yeah, the right. World War yeah. One flying. You know that character right. and uh, Von Hammer, and and you know I. I'll, I'll say, you know, yeah, you're right. I don't. We were covering I mean, I, the book. We were covering the World War One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and and you know, just, but that was enough for him to to tune out. You know, he at, at that point he's like, yeah, these guys don't know anything about this, so I don't have any interest in listening to them, especially if they're going to go over the plot. Mm-hmm. And um, we've so always it, said it, that we don't, you know, at least for me, I don't say anything on here that I wouldn't necessarily say to his face. Right. So it's, <laughs> I'll I mean, it's, it's face. It's criticism. I mean, if you can't take criticism, then you got a problem. Yeah. Uh, and we're waiting outside your house tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah, but what yeah, you again, say? I heard and, you and, looking and for me. As far as my criticism goes, it's it's simply, be- unfortunately, because I know how the sausage is made, and I, I, you know, it, it, you know, going on his website and reading all that stuff, you know, I, I, I don't feel like a stalker or anything because it's not like I sit there outside his house with a box of donuts or anything. You don't. Maybe you should borrow Doctor Strange's mirror there and, and right. carry on. Him, you know? No, no. But I mean, the thing is, you know, having you know, reading his website, and I read it every day. Ah, uh, stalker. He is a stalker. For instance, I know that this week he goes, or uh, not this week, but very soon he goes back to the uh, doctor for a checkup on his heart. And uh, you know, they the last time he was there, they did that kind of shock treatment to him to get his heart back in line. He is having a little trouble, and he's also uh, he he made mention yesterday he's diabetic. Ooh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, because he, he's talking about uh, COVID and uh, you know how it affects everybody as far as you know what's going on and the vaccines and such. There's a forum there on his page where they talk just about that. There's a for, I mean, there are forums where they talk about a wide variety of subjects presidency uh you know anything that happens to come along that he thinks is interesting he'll throw something out but uh you know so i I read that stuff and 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 it's interesting to see his views i heard other people say he's got bad views on some things or others and i say no he's got opinions but you know nothing they're all yeah they're all opinions same as what we're saying is opinion their opinions uh, you know there's there's areas where he probably hasn't looked up information as much as he would for other things and um so, you know, he would probably be better to be careful about talking about those things because I know that got him in some trouble uh, when talking about the mm-hmm. transgender uh, people mm-hmm. a few years back. Um, but, you know, again, he's not a bad person and he's, you know, doesn't do harm to anybody. He uh, wants things the way he wants it. And, and you know, that's pretty much, you know, what, what he that's, shows on his website. There's no problem with that. And, and let's be honest, if we were... If we get a show where all we did was fawn over everything he did, that's going to be boring. Nobody wants to listen right. to people come on and just – it's the Chris Farley show and just talk about how fantastic that, everything is. that time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so it's got to be – you know, it's the same reason we ask for feedback. You know, we don't want people just to give us feedback about how much they love the show. If you hate yes, the show, do. let us know because what well, we yeah. do. And, and we have gotten noticed Wait a minute. In the past. <laughs> what? <laughs> I want to hear how good we are. Well, you know, they <laughs> well, I want to hear that, that too. But. Like a comic book, any podcast could be somebody's first podcast. 
And um, when when I started, you know, uh, looking at the various Facebook groups, of course, there are, there are, what, three big, huge John Byrne Facebook fan groups out there, at least. And when we did our, our uh, Wonder Woman show for the, the, the first issue of Wonder Woman that Byrne did, um, we got a little uh, we got a little spice back from some of the people on the forums there that sit there and say a podcast where all they do is take shots at Burn. What? Well, again, I was not uh, very forgiving on Burn's artwork in the yeah. first issue of Wonder Woman. But listen to all our shows because there are yeah. plenty of shows where we just rave about his artwork. Yeah, we're even Chris Farley, you know. <laughs> yeah, and even when we even when we have problems with artwork, it's never. I mean, this is not a. Uh, kind of, oh, we're going to read his stuff ironically and just pick it apart and trash it, uh, right. like some of these movie review shows and things. No, if it's bad, we're going to call it out. It's bad. If I don't like a story, or if it doesn't make sense, then I'm going to say that. If if it's beautiful, I'm going to say, hey, this is great artwork. You know, we, we talked about you know, in, in our uh, alignment of Babe, we talked about the artwork was great. It was a story I didn't like. So, oh, you know, yeah. we're, not to, we're not here to trash the man. Man, I'll be sending I'll... you the sixty cents back in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he can keep it. I like the story. I, I don't know that I believe he actually sketched all this out because I don't think it matters where he placed what boom, boom, shriek, boom, or crash or thought balloons. But uh, whatever, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> but but yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, it's yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought it was a. Uh, got anything else to say? Hey, our... Before before we move away from um, Shaman and all that, um, for those of us who did read, what did you think of introducing his daughter as Talisman later, like a year later? This after this, I thought she was kind of a cool character too. Yeah, that was I interesting. I, yeah, I didn't. Uh... I had no emotional response one way or the other. I was just like, ah, oh, another character. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and the the distance between father and daughter, I don't know. I I, I get bugged by those um, uh, a, a bit, but uh, family dynamic has not really been. A, I haven't had a bad family dynamic, I guess that that I, I can sit there and understand why people would not just work it out. Yeah. But I know that's that's that happens with a lot of people. Some people are just too stubborn. Can't work it out. Yep. I like. I liked the artwork so much when I saw him at the uh, Mid-Ohio Con, and he had piles of his original artwork, and when I was flipping through, I almost bought the page where she and Puck were doing some physical training, except I misunderstood the artwork because it wasn't colored. I thought it was Heather and <laughs> Puck, and I was just about ready to buy it, and he made some comment saying, no, that's not Heather. I just realized my mistake, and I was so embarrassed. I put the page back and didn't buy it. Oh no! He said, "Shut up and let you buy it." Yeah. yeah. Well, I I was. He had to correct Kirk. Well, how? Yeah. Just just be curious, Kirk. How much was he selling yeah. that page for? Beat me to it. God, I don't remember. Um, I think he had a whole spreadsheet there of, of uh, things. So they, they obviously were keeping records in terms of uh, you know page twelve from issue thirteen. You know, they they knew whether or not it had been sold, but I don't I don't remember the amounts. It seems to me like the price was penciled on the back side in the upper left corner, or the upper right corner. I mean, I I don't remember. It's been too many years ago, but it was way out of my price range. There's nothing I could could have touched. 
Well, what I saw in Boston, he had he didn't have any like Alpha Flyer X Men stuff. He had a lot of his. I think he maybe had some Next Men, and he had a lot of Star Trek uh, pages. And I uh, was leaning towards kind of buying one of them. Then my wife, of all things, said, "No, you should. If you're gonna invest money, invest this. Buy the splash page." So buy the splash page from Crew when they beam down to the uh, the the planet that has the kind of 50 style. Um, town in it and what's interesting it's not inked it's just penciled and then he they just they just scan the pencil and it's colored from there so that's kind of that was kind of nice but yeah comic comic art is something i'd love to get into but man is it is it expensive that's some uh rarefied air start start going up that high yep. well, you always see these guys are posting online it's like yeah i just picked up this page and some x-men yeah. page i'm like what that's three thousand dollars right. right yeah now. yeah <laughs> or or these folks that post oh here's my commission and it's like the avengers yeah. versus the justice league and i'm like <laughs> I, doesn't he charge like a thousand dollars a character or something like that i'm like how did you afford this <laughs> man <laughs> second mortgage yeah. I directed Tangled. That's how he affords it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but beautiful work, man. And some of those, um, and on some of the boards, I don't know if it was in Third Degree or, or um, Burn Victims or whatever they were talking about. Man, it would be cool if he would start writing some Elswin stories for some of his commissions. And I, I agree, that would be cool. <laughs> some of those are just, just amazing stuff. And, and that that little uh, jab there that was uh, to Nathan Greno, and I'm just joking there. Hope you didn't take any offense. That was all in fun. What did you get? What, what, you're, you're, you're asking how he could could afford to buy one of those pages with, with all the, well, the commissions with all those things, and I say you direct Tangled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan Greno, who's a big fan of John Byrne, has a very large collection of his work. He directed, he co-directed the movie Tangled. Tangled. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I made, made a couple bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's like Peter Jackson says. I, I own the original King Kong armature. It's like, well, yeah, you're Peter Jackson. You can afford that kind of stuff, you know. Right. The interest that's, on his wealth is enough. Yeah. To the, buy the, it. Or, or you can sneak it off the set. I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what if he was oh, really so super skinny, but he just <laughs> has a suit made up so he could just pilfer stuff? Also, oh. some of these these people can afford you know they're investing in a page of superman a page of the x-men a page of this or that and they put it up in their their house but the others are buying some of these as an investment they're hang, sitting on them for a year or two and then marketing them back selling yeah. them back and making profits off from it so it's it's a limited commodity and they're they're sort of speak playing the stock market or yeah. at least it's, the, it's like the, being the an desire. art collector you're buying stuff that you don't necessarily yes. want in order to sell it to buy the stuff you really want so exactly yeah so they so. may only have one or two or three particular pages mounted or framed in their man cave or their study or their art gallery or whatever they're putting them in but the rest are all investments that they're trying to turn over and market to each other who was the artist that stopped? Was it is it Ramita Jr. that was going to stop selling his stuff because he was going to save it for his grandkids, or is that somebody else? Uh, not gonna, he, he can I, keep the stuff he's been doing for DC. I don't know about him. I know garbage. I know Terry Austin doesn't sell any of his stuff, and I don't Maybe think it's Walt Austin. Si- or Walt Simon. I don't think he sells much of his stuff either. But, hey, you uh, know what? Terry I don't Austin, sell, uh, any of my stuff either. <laughs> but <laughs> Terry that's why we haven't gotten an artist edition of anything from the X-Men is because 
you know, he's, he's kept his pages. He's got half the pages from each of those books. Well, that's his retirement. So I mean, yeah. that, that's going to be a nice retirement if he wants to unload all that stuff. But. Now, if he, again, if he had unloaded it before, like Byrne and the others have done, you know, they got maybe a couple hundred dollars, but, you know, they're not getting the, the payback that people are now. The um, like, Except from the, the X-Men else one, you know, he sold off a couple of those pages and got a good chunk of change, but already that they you know they've doubled in price or at least the the sale offers are double the price that he sold it for if you go out yeah. with cool lines or heritage the, auctions the price probably went up when they found out he was going into the hospital they thought he was gonna on speculation about he was gonna pass and then the, 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 the pages would jump up but well is that about it i think, that is I, think about it. I think we've covered it we've uh we've, yeah we've discuss this book and talked about how poor each of us are and (laughs) (laughs) we cannot uh that was a fun book it was fun yeah i know yeah david said you know before we started this gonna be a short book i said yeah it'll be short but i think there's a lot of stuff to talk about so (laughs) i think we we got a pretty good conversation out of it indeed uh brian i know or the rest of everybody i don't think we know what we're gonna do do we want to reveal what we're talking about doing next episode oh, yeah I, i've slept since then so <laughs> <laughs> kidding well this is your idea brian so if you want to you want to you know open the box and spoil it or if not we'll let everybody be surprised i think we should let, let them be surprised. surprised surprised okay yeah. there'll be the there's gonna be our christmas gift anyway so we'll be yes. it's gonna be uh, uh big Thank galactic you. christmas present it's gonna be really really big <laughs> yes, and again, we want your feedback, so please, if you can, write us at gotagetburned at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook in the Third Degree Burn uh, Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, we, we even take hate it. mail. Yeah, yeah, and, oh, well, and absolutely. give us some suggestions. What books would you like us to cover? That's true. That way we don't have to keep thinking this stuff up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is hard, people. <laughs> yep, uh, and... Just, uh, you know, we're getting close to Christmas. I don't know that we can call this a Christmas episode since we've got one more coming out before then. No, it's definitely got a nice winter feel to it. It's a winter, this is a winter episode, not necessarily a Christmas episode, so um, that's why I think I, that's why I picked it, because I kind of want to like the story, and I thought it was, it it takes place in the snow, so what it's, some places get snow, some places don't. I don't have any snow here, so. Just we. Yeah. Years from here in Texas. That's true. Texas doesn't get much snow. Well, if it do, you, you get snow. The next day, it's seventy, so it's all gone. All right. Well, is there anything else? No, I think we've uh, I think we've covered it. I think we're good. Okay, I brought us in. Someone else can take us out. Because I, I did. Thanks for joining us coming. on Third Degree Burn. Thank you. I'm Brian Hughes. <laughs> I'm John. That was John. John Hyatt. No, no, we're we're on first name basis here, except for Tim. Remember? <laughs> and I'm Kirk Greenfield. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. <laughs> Say goodbye, Tim and David. Quick, quick, before we cut off. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> adios. Thank adios. You. Yeah, that, that's become your catchphrase, Brian. You're saying adios a lot now. I'm married to a Mexican woman. You know, it's oh. just. Uh... <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, She's watching I, I the would... Selena series right now, so. I would be surprised if we uh, don't get some hate email or at least comments from my you know, discussion about the 
white man's world. I mean, it literally is in the book. It says white man science. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think my stumbling over uh, Legends of Tomorrow, not quite putting my thoughts down there articulately, uh, probably get more complaints than anything else. And if that's what happened, I'm sorry. I didn't mean any offense. Anyway. Well, the, el- the elephant in the room are the six blank pages. If that doesn't, if that's not a lightning rod, nothing's going to provoke any <laughs> I, I, I really hope that we get some response on that, but I, I think for the most part, most people at this point are going to look at it and go, hey, that was kind of cool. You know, I don't think I there's any... So. I mean, it's not like, you know, those of us that are mad that they brought Jason Todd back, you know? I mean, that's something you can be mad about. I pay good money to rub that kid out, you know, yeah. back in the days, calling it 900 yes. number like 27,000 times. Really? Was a big ch- no, not that many times. Maybe I called <laughs> once. Maybe five times I called. Um, really? But, you well, you honestly called five times? I really hated that kid. Wasn't it a buck a buck a call? Yeah, well, it, it was. Yeah, it was about fifty cents or a buck, but it was an unusual expense, and right. it was money that you literally were throwing away, and then you didn't know if they were reporting the truth in terms of what what the poll actually was. This clearly is time it had when... ramifications after the fact of which way the plot in the book was going to go. So I right. I suspect they already knew which way they wanted to lean. And they, they gave an they opportunity had, for, to engage the public. Produced, they had produced both endings, all right? Right. One and page. They, and and the, the vote was really close in the end. It was only a difference of, like, what, 60 votes or something. No. Yeah. I'd heard it much larger than that. Well, it, it, it was still, when you sit there and you think about votes and all that, it was very close still. With the number really? of votes that came in, they got a, a really good amount for both sides. And again, you know, the idea was, does he live or does he die? And I said, let him die. I thought that wouldn't wouldn't be a bad thing to happen, you know, in, in, the, in the comic books. I still think that when you bring in a new tough villain, that it's hard to sit there and show them being tough because, you know, you can't kill anyone and have it be permanent. Right. So you kill Robin and all of a sudden that shakes everything up. That changes the playing field. This is, again, at a time when I liked comic books to be gritty. <laughs> anyway, so they they get rid of him, and what do they do? They bring him back. Right, I was paid money to fighter. have him rubbed out. I want a refund with interest. Well, the great thing <laughs> 30 is thirty years worth. Not only did they <laughs> decide on a bold new direction for their comic and have repercussions, but they actually got the fans to pony up more money than the issue cost to <laughs> vote. And so they raked in the money, no matter what your opinion was. They just gave you a venue to give them money, and it worked. But they never did it again. No, idiots. Well, I don't uh, know how, it, how and then Marvel sold the idea. I'm with kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Wait, I wouldn't did, have been allowed to call because I would have been. Where were we supposed to be? Didn't we say goodbye like five <laughs> minutes ago? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You could have cut this off way back then. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I thought, well, well, what would have happened if they had an 800 number to vote on whether Bucky returned? <sighs> no. Do you think people would have voted whether or not the Winter Soldier was going to happen? I, then I, Hickman couldn't have uh, written his amazing Captain America run. Right. There, there are run. all sorts of ramifications. So yeah, when they when they pose a question like this, yeah, I I don't think. It's a true vote. 
I think they've already planned and plotted in advance, and they're committed to go down the road. Now, the fans may think that they, they had an influence or that they wanted to have an influence, but I really don't think there's much input at all. Probably not. All right, well, I am... Yeah, it's getting, time to getting, sign getting off, guys. Eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, thanks a whole lot. I'm surprised we can get more cowbell today. But uh, I was resisting. <laughs> I like you, Ron. Good job. Oh, we, had, we had jingle bells. I would have liked to have heard those. <laughs> we stayed on topic for the most part. Yeah, yeah kind of. for the most part. I mean, it took us an hour to get into the show, but it, other than that, it wasn't bad. Yeah, but still, yeah. we're going we're to have a two-hour show probably, so we're, we're, we're good. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a great day, great week, and we'll see you sometime right before Christmas. Okay. Cool. Adios. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.